Psalm chapter 11 this evening. Had something completely different uh, in mind that we were going to preach, and the Lord uh, throughout the day today just put a different thought on our heart, and uh, we've been spending some time with this and uh, praying about this. I want to be a help to you tonight. I really do. But I'd be lying to you if I said that I wasn't disappointed with the results of the voting on issue one and issue two for our state yesterday. Certainly, we live in dark times when the majority chooses murder and marijuana over the mercy and morality of God. But, but, but hang on. Just because people have legalized sin into law doesn't mean God's people have to like it. It doesn't mean that we have to live it. We can continue to live for the Lord in spite of the sin around us without capitulating or compromising to live with that sin in us. I heard a fellow say uh, a long time ago, and it goes around from time to time, it says a ship is built to be in the water. It's a bad thing when the water is in the ship. And we're built, we're made to be in this world as lights for the gospel of Christ in this world. Well, we ought, we don't have to be worldly to live in this world and let our light shine. And I know there are many things to be discouraged about, but I want to encourage you with this truth as my title tonight, just three words, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Psalm 11, verse number 1. In the Lord put I my trust. You'll notice there's a punctuation mark after that. That's a statement in and of itself. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain. For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string. That they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I can tell you what the righteous can do. Don't lose hope. And I'm going to tell you why this evening. Because as oftentimes we look at verse number 3 as kind of a negative. Oh, if the foundations are destroyed, what do we do? And I'm here to tell you tonight, don't lose hope. I'll show you why from this text. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for the privilege to be here tonight. Thank you for these that have gathered. Thank you for the privilege that we have to be in this place. We pray for so many unable to be with us tonight. Lord, you know all of the needs. You know all of the hurts. You know all of the struggles and all of the cares. And I pray that you touch as only you can. And Lord, help us never to take for granted the freedoms that we have. Help us never to take for granted the ability to assemble together that we have. Have us never to take you for granted, Lord, and who you are and what you've done and what you continue to do. And I pray tonight that you'll encourage us from your word. Strengthen us, we pray. Lord, I pray you'll help me tonight. You know the frailty of my physical body. Lord, you know my heart. And I pray you fill me with your spirit. Give me the strength to uh, preach your word to these precious people. I pray that you'd help us as only you can. 
Lord, we certainly do need you. And we ask you, Lord, that you bless us in a special way. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Notice, I want you to see, this is another one of those, if you're going to try and take notes tonight, here comes about 15 outlines for you in here. Um, But uh, it's just the way as the Lord kind of laid it out for us as we were looking through the psalm. But I I just want to walk you kind of through this text uh, here this evening and and just remind us of a few things tonight. But notice there's a declaration in the first part of verse number 1. It says, In the Lord put I my trust. Now here's David. If you look, it says Psalm 11. In my Bible, before verse 1, it says to the chief musician, and then it says a psalm of David. So David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, has now uh, put down his thoughts and his his words here uh, with pen on paper, and he makes this declaration. He says, In the Lord put I my trust. David, he's put all of his trust in the Lord, and he wants you to know it's not a secret. His friends know it, and his foes know it. Uh, those that are close to him know it. Those that are his enemies know it that David is a man who's put his trust in God. But there's a difficulty that we see that comes in verse number 2. It says, For lo, the wicked. And the wicked here, these are the immoral, the guilty, the condemned. We would say the godless. For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string that they may privily, that means in darkness, shoot at the upright in heart. I remind us tonight, the ungodly adversary is on the attack, advancing and aligning to accomplish their assault upon the godly. And what we see in verse number 2 is the seemingly never-ending battle of good versus evil, of light versus dark, of wrong versus right, the same difficulties that you and I still face today that David faced in his day. The same battle that was fought in the voting booth yesterday is the same battle that David speaks of in this psalm, that there are those that are ungodly, those that are wicked, that in the dark, are now attacking those that are godly. So what we see is David's made a declaration. And in that declaration, there comes a difficulty. But now look at the direction in the last part of verse number 1. David has said, he said, In the Lord put I my trust. He says this, How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? Now, you would understand with me tonight, the difficulties in our lives work to ignite and inflame despair and defeat in the minds and hearts of God's people so that God's people will run away and hide. When you think about that for a minute. See, certainly the enemy wanted to see David defeated. The enemy is flexing their muscle to frighten David. The enemy wanted to see David scared and on the run. But as we look at verse 2, the enemy is just seen to be loading their weapons. There hasn't been a launch yet. If you'll look at verse 2, it says they bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string that they may privily shoot the upright in heart. In verse number 1, 
You'll find that David is addressing his friends. David is addressing his people. And it is David's discouraged companions that are advising him to desert his post. Advising him to abandon ship. Advising him to give up and quit. Wow. Well, preacher, you don't understand. We live in a dark day. We just need to tuck tail and run. We just need to hide. We just need to give up. No, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. When have we ever lived in a world without difficulty? This world is plagued by sin. This world is plagued by wickedness. This world is plagued by the enemies of the world, the flesh, the devil. We understand that all of these things are around us all the time always going to face the difficulty. That brings us to the dilemma in verse number 3. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the fundamental bedrock of morality and decency collapses, what's left? Now, you better go ahead and admit it tonight, but I've heard Christians, I've heard the conversations in this building, and even me myself at times have made the statement, well, this world is just gone around us, there's no hope, it's all over. We look at the wickedness in this world around us, and we lose hope. Can I tell you tonight, don't you buy stock in the First National Bank of dread and fear tonight. I like that. Don't buy stock in the First National Bank of dread and fear. You and I cannot afford to let the foolishness of the godless masses cause us to lose our faith in a mighty God. Let the heathen rage and mock and seethe. Man cannot destroy a foundation that God alone has built. Do you see that tonight? If the foundations be destroyed, can can man destroy the foundation that God has built? No. It's impossible. It cannot happen. No matter how hard they try no matter how bad it looks. So it says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now see, we often take, ooh, well, you know, this country is going down, so if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I'm not talking about our country. Friend, I'm talking about Christ. The Christ who vicariously laid down His life and victoriously took it up again, conquering death, hell, and the grave, alive forevermore, the author and finisher of our faith, the eternal King of kings, the everlasting Lord of lords. I'm talking about Christ and His church that He purchased with His sinless shed blood upon Calvary's cross. I'm talking about the church that's comprised of Christians, those saved by God's grace, sealed by God's Spirit and secured in God's hand. What can the righteous do? Don't lose hope. Let me give you a few things that we can do. Here's what we can do. 
Number one, we can take a drink of this water. Thank God for water. What can the righteous do? Let me give you a few things. Give you some, some statements here, some scripture. First thing, don't lose hope. Confidently stand. Confidently stand. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13. Ephesians 6 and verse 13. I'm still waiting to find that spot where my voice rests without that little waver in it. But Ephesians 6, 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Just confidently stand. So I don't know if I can. First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Yeah, preacher, I get it. But I don't know if it's worth it. Second Timothy chapter number one and verse twelve. Paul writes and he says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hey, friend, you can stand if you'll stand with God. You don't have to lose hope. Oh, so the vote didn't go the way we wanted it to go. Well, isn't that a shame? Yes, it's a shame. But the Bible told us that in the last days, evil will get worse and worse. Don't lose hope. Confidently stand. Let me give you a second one. Don't lose hope. Communicate the gospel. Oh, if there's ever a time that we need to be telling people about Christ... It's the day in which we live. Do we not see the urgency of the hour? Do we not see the need all around us? Friend, don't lose hope. Confidently stand. Communicate the gospel. Romans chapter number 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You hear that? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why should I be ashamed? Oh, that the Lord Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven and took on flesh, walked on this earth, lived a sinless life, went to a cruel cross, died in my place, shed his precious blood to pay the sin debt that I could never pay, and cried, it is finished. And said that all I had to do was believe. All I had to do was put my faith and trust in his finished work. And I could have everlasting life. That my sins could be forgiven. That I could be justified in the sight of God. What a gift! Why would I ever be ashamed to be a child of God? Oh, why should we ever be ashamed to communicate the gospel? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Don't lose hope. Give you a third one. Contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. Don't lose hope. 
contend for the faith. Jude chapter 1. There's only one chapter, but Jude chapter 1 and verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. I'm here to tell you tonight, friends, I'm glad I have the finished Word of God. I'm glad I have the faith that's been delivered just one time down to you and to me and that we can deliver it on. We don't have to worry about it changing. We don't have to worry about it ever being wrong. We don't have to worry about anything about the Word of God. We can stand on this foundation. And don't lose hope. Contend for the faith. Let me give you a fourth one. Don't lose hope. Continue until Jesus comes again. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 19. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Don't lose hope. Confidently stand. Communicate the gospel. Contend for the faith. Continue till Jesus comes. Don't lose hope. You say, okay, that's great, but how? Look back at Psalm 11. Psalm 11. What can the righteous do? Let me give you four more things. How are we going to do those four things we just talked about. How are we going to confidently stand? How are we going to communicate the gospel? How are we going to contend for the faith? How are we going to continue till Jesus comes? How are we uh, going now not to... Uh, how are we going to don't lose hope? You make that grammatically correct in your head and I'll make it correct in mine. What can we do to keep our hope? Number one, all of these are things that we have to remember. There are four of them. Number one is this. Remember God is still on the throne. If there's anything that encourages me more is the fact that the Almighty God of heaven is still on the throne and still in control. And you say, well, how do you know? The Word of God tells us so. Look with me at verse number 4. The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, His eyelids try the children of men. Never forget, child of God, God is still on the throne. Amen. Number two, not only is God still on the throne, but remember, God is still true. God is still true. Verse number five, The Lord trieth the righteous, But the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. 
I'm glad that we have a holy God and a righteous God and a just God that with God, right is still right and wrong is still wrong. He doesn't blur the lines. He doesn't mix it up. He doesn't decide one day to change. He's still true. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. I don't care what this world says. I can promise you God is still true. Let me give you a third one. Not only is God still on His throne, not only is God still true, but number three, remember, God is still on His timeline. Can I encourage you with that tonight? God is still on His timeline. Isn't it amazing? If you've been paying attention to any of the media outlets and of course, all of this and that. And look, I'm not for war. And we know what the book of James says about war and where it comes from. And it's just men that have pride and lust within their own hearts and they can't get along and they fight with each other and all of these different things. And, and, and I'm not for war and I'm not for violence. And we don't need all of that. But we live in a world that's consumed with it. But here recently, uh, uh, we had this skirmish blow up here in the Middle East. And boy, everybody got excited all of a sudden. And a whole lot of people started doing what you need to be cautioned not to do. Do not read the newspaper and then make it fit into the Word of God. All that's going to do is perplex your mind and get you all twisted up and nervous and scared. And God said, let not your heart be troubled. Jesus said, stop looking for signs and look up. Your redemption draweth nigh. We know what time it is. We know what we're supposed to be doing. God is still on His timeline. His watch battery didn't die. He didn't forget to wind His Rolex. Said God has a Rolex? Well, of course He does. He wanted me to have one too. No, that's that's another message. (laughs) Said, wow, you changed, preacher. Yeah. God is still on His timeline. God hasn't missed a step. God hasn't missed a beat. And when it's God's time, it's God's time. Look with me now. Look back at verse 5 again. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Now the wicked there. Verse 6. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and in horrible tempest, this shall be the portion of their cup. Can I encourage you tonight? Because God is on the throne and because God is still true, He keeps a perfect record. He doesn't miss a thing. You say, yeah, but, but these folks and they're getting away with all this stuff. No, no, no. No, they're not. No, they're not. There's coming a judgment day. There's coming a reckoning day. Every man, woman, boy, and girl ever to grace this earth will stand before God and give account for themselves. God is a righteous judge. And He's still on time. Let me give you this fourth one. You say, I'm not not too encouraged yet. You will be. Number four, remember that God is still tender in His care. God is still on the throne. 
God is still true. God is still on His timeline. But friend, never forget, God is still tender in His care. I am so thankful for God's mercy. For the mercy of God that doesn't pour out upon me what I rightly deserve. But He's long-suffering and He's gracious because of His love. He's tender in His care. Look at verse 7. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. If I can encourage you tonight, it's with this. While I'm encouraging you, turn to Psalm 33 because we're not done yet. Psalm 33, we've got six more outlines to give you. That's That was a joke. But Psalm 33, do turn there. <clears throat> let, me, let me make this statement. I know how easy it is to get your eyes off of the Word of God and off of God. I apologize for that, but better to grab it now. It's easy to look at the difficulties of this life, the despair of this world, all of the, the things that we see around us and start to doubt and start to dread and start to fear. But don't let the difficulties of this godless world cause you to change your direction or contradict your declaration. You notice what David said at the beginning of Psalm 11, now that I have turned to Psalm 33. You stay in Psalm 33, let me go back. He said, In the Lord put I my trust. We saw the difficulty, we saw the dilemma, we saw the direction. But nowhere in that psalm do you see David altering that statement. In the Lord put I my trust. Well, what's that mean? He didn't lose hope. Why? Because the Lord is still on the throne and the Lord is still true and the Lord is still on His timeline and the Lord is still tender in His care. What can the righteous do? Confidently stand. Communicate the gospel. Contend for the faith. Continue till Jesus comes remembering those things. God is still on the throne. God is still true. God is still right on time. God is still tender in his care. And notice with me why it matters so much that we don't lose hope. Psalm 33, verse 18. Oh, you really just really see these verses. Psalm 33, verse 18. Behold. Now remember what we just read at the end of Psalm 11 about the countenance of the Lord. His face there on, on the righteous. Verse 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear Him, upon them that, what? Hope in His mercy, to deliver their soul from death, to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. 
For our hearts shall rejoice in Him because we have trusted in His holy name. Let Thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us. Watch. According as we hope in Thee. In the day that we live where it seems everyone is paralyzed with fear or fleeing in panic, can I encourage you tonight, just press on in hope. Four things were done. Turn to God. Why? Because He's enough. Trust God. Why? Because He's able. Thank God. Why? Because He's worthy. Tell others of God. Why? Because He's the answer. Don't lose hope. Let's pray.